Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. And a warm welcome to Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold. Looking forward to our time together. I hope your weekend was good. Of course, we pushed our clocks ahead, so it feels like maybe you got a little less sleep. Maybe you're a little groggy today. It'll take a few days to get the body clock turned around, but I will help you do that, and we'll keep the energy nice and high. Patrick Albany is going to be joining me for the first segment, and then it's going to be the mid, uh, the Monday afternoon mix, 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 with uh, David Miles and... Rebecca and myself looking forward to that. And then Stephen Arterburn, who wrote Every Man's Battle, Winning the War on Sexual Temptation, One Victory at a Time. That's going to be coming up top of the second hour. And I just want to throw out the warning that there will be stronger than usual language in that discussion. So that's not for the younger ears. So that's going to be what's happening top of the second hour. Then Lori uh, Short will be joining me as well in that hour. So that's today. Let's get things started. I'll be back in 60 seconds. Faith Radio offers a free resource that will ground you in your faith each week. It's the prayer devotional email, and it's easy to receive. Simply sign up at MyFaithRadio.com under the subscriptions tab. Then you'll be sent a weekly message with words of inspiration and prayer. It's a wonderful way to connect with God and equip you for the week ahead. Once again, just visit MyFaithRadio.com, click on subscriptions, and sign up. You'll be blessed by the prayer devotional email. If you know God, he can bring his grace to bear on your situation, and he can take broken things and mend them and make out of brokenness that which is beautiful, but only God can do that. Real Hope, Faith Radio. What would you do with a brain if you had one? Do? Why, if I had a brain, I could... I could while away the hours, conferring with the flowers, consulting with the rain. And my head, I'd be scratching while my thoughts were busy hatching if I only had a brain. All right, let's get things started. It's Monday, and you know I like Mondays, and I always enjoy getting a chance to uh, check in with my friend and colleague from the great state of Iowa and the prestigious town of West Des Moines, Patrick Albany's. Patrick, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm happy to be in West Des Moines, East Des Moines, any Des Moines. I'll take any Des Moines. (laughs) Any Des Moines is a good Des Moines. Yeah. Well, yeah, there's so much bad news right now. I don't even know what to talk about. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't know what we're supposed to do. I mean, I'm seeing this definite end of the world stuff. And I'm seeing this, oh my gosh, you know, uh, Trump has, has completely, you know, this, this, the whole coronavirus thing is on him. And you go, it started in China. We've had 22 deaths, which, you know, uh, that's, we don't want death, but, you know, obviously you compare it to other things and you go, we are making, and I'm not saying it's not going to get worse and worse and worse, but we're making the, 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 they're literally saying it's end of the world. 
stuff going on right now. I, I'm seeing that all over the place. I go, I, I, I do, maybe I just want to live in ignorance and put my, you know, bury the old head in the sand. But it, it's, it's not the end of the world. I don't, I don't think this is, I don't, this isn't how God's going to do it. Is no, it? no, I don't think so. With bat soup? Yeah. So I don't know, you know, and it, everybody's panicking. And I, I, I I'm, I'm sure you've noticed this, but it, it certainly seems there are people that are downright gleeful that horrible stuff is happening. I think the news stations are loving it for the ratings. Uh, and of course they don't like Trump. So, you know, if this hurts them, then just keep piling it on and, you know, uh, sell all your stocks, you know, buy hand sanitizer. I, I, I agree with you. It's, it's, you go, there's, there's bad things going on, but are, are we overhyping it? I'm sure there is an overhype going on. I mean, look at us. We're hyping it right now, you and me. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, people are the South by Southwest down in Austin. They cancel it. There's not there wasn't a single case of coronavirus down there, but they said, oh, out of precaution. And uh, Janet, uh, my wife, has um, a, a conference in Houston in about a month. And uh, they contacted her yesterday and said, we're planning on going ahead. You know, we, we see no reason to cancel. Mm -hmm. um, so. You know, I, they, 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 of course, leave room. They say, you know, obviously, if, if things change, then uh, it will update you. But um, I don't know. I mean, how afraid are you to leave the house? Not at all. You know, uh, did you go to the germ factory called the gym today? Of course I did. Yeah. You know, it's it's um, we've been interacting with people. Uh, you know, you can't pick up an item off of a grocery store shelf that hasn't been touched by two dozen people. Mm -hmm. And we don't th think about it. We go home, we wash our hands, we do general hygiene. And, and uh, you go, you know, if this thing was really going to rampage, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying don't worry about it, but I, I certainly, there's a, a part of me that says, I can't live in the kind of fear that it feels like they're trying to make me live in. That just lock yourself up in the house, don't leave, pull your kids out of school, don't go anywhere, just stay in and maybe you'll survive. Like, mm. my goodness. Yeah, that's not the world I'm living in. No, did you know that uh, when we move the clocks ahead, that there is uh, that one hour, there's, a, there's an increase in car accidents, an increase in fatal accidents and an increase in car accidents, period. So would you say, well, and, I, and probably the reason is a bunch of people woke up and said, oh, no, I'm late. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, so they're scrambling. But dropping my kids off at school today, there was nobody in the drop-off lane uh, when I got there at 6 a.m. I wanted to be sure, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I got there at my usual time, and I'm the only car, and I thought, are this many people late by, by a one-hour time change? I mean, we gained, they gave us an extra day a week ago. They took back one hour of it, right? We're still 23 ahead, aren't we? Uh, I think so, but I do think there's a lot of side effects to the one-hour time change. I, I know that there's an increase in uh, health concerns. I know there's more heart attacks, all that kind of stuff. It's, yeah. it's kind of um, disturbing. 
Uh, it is disturbing, but I wonder if that's just, again, related to people waking up saying, oh, no. <laughs> that's a good point. <laughs> I overslept because, uh, uh, it, it, like I say, at school today, I thought, did they all over? I, in fact, on Mondays, I pick up one of my daughter's friends for her because they have a choir together. And the house, I get there, and it's just completely blacked out. There's, you know, there's nobody. The dogs aren't out. And I eventually ended up texting them, and I said, uh, daylight savings time get you today? I mean, they sent me frantic texts like, oh, my gosh, thank you, because we have to get to work. The whole family was asleep. Hmm. One hour. So, you know, for me, I don't know if this is for you, since I tend to wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning, when we move the clocks ahead, I feel like 4 a.m., I'm a sleeping machine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but then you sort of figured it out and you go, nope, it's still 3 a.m. body clock time. Yeah, but I will accept that it's 4 a.m. and wow, I am. Whew. All right, let's talk I'm, about some positive I'm Rip, Rip things. Van Winkle over here. I'm there, Rip Van Winkle. There was some nice light early into the evening last night. That was nice. Yep. And uh, oh my gosh, did you, we had spectacular weather here. And, uh, you know, thanks to uh, or due to coronavirus, this is a positive development uh, in my town, at least. Uh, it is no longer considered vandalism. If somebody TPs a house, it's considered a random act of kindness. <laughs> <laughs> I did... just going out there, pulling it right off the trees, going, this is great. <laughs> They're all out of the store. <laughs> yeah. And there's a German term. If you're a German speaking person, help me out with this term. I want to say it's something like hamster camp or something. It's a German word, and it's what hamsters hoard food. And there's a the hoarding principle, like people that go into the big box stores and they... So these people go into these big box stores and they buy enough supplies to last for 10 years, which you don't need to do and you shouldn't do because all you're doing is uh, preventing other people from getting their weekly necessities. So it's kind of a strange mentality. Yeah, and I was actually kind of puzzled by the like, why did they choose toilet paper? You know, I don't I'd be know. in the I'd be in the bacon aisle. <laughs> you know, this is what I need to hoard. I need about three hundred packages of bacon uh, to go with the two hundred that are already in the freezer, just in case I run low. But um, yeah, I I guess that's just one of those things you worry about running out of. And the hand sanitizer uh, business—that's a good business to be in right now. I know. I, in fact, I've been hearing people all over the place saying, well, here's how you make your own hand sanitizer, which means we're now going to run out of all the supplies to make hand sanitizer. It sounds like it's just rubbing alcohol and some aloe vera gel. That's it. Yeah. So the, that scam has been exposed. I, you know, it's uh, but people are still like uh, maybe you saw this news item in France. You know, they, they've got coronavirus over there, right? Oh, yeah. Well, they just had the, the Smurf Festival went on as planned. I know you were going to go, but obviously your passport needed to be updated with a new photo. <laughs> like three or 4,000 people showed up for the summer festival. They were not deterred. Now, granted, they've been talking about the thing till they were blue in the face. <laughs> uh, you go, you go Eli, if you're going to cancel anything, wouldn't you think you'd say, well, you know, we, we should cancel the Smurf Festival. This is not important in the scheme of things. And darn it, those Smurf people, they said, you know what? I bought the makeup. I got the suit. I'm going to the Smurf Festival uh, and uh, I will risk coronavirus. So I, are people taking it 
are, are, I guess I don't know if we're overhyping some of these things, or are we are we not taking them seriously enough, or are we just saying, well, you know what, I'm I've got to go to the Smurf Festival, so yeah, I, I really don't know. I think it changes every day. Let me take a quick break. Patrick Albanese is, of course, my guest. Gets my Monday started. We'll uh, take a ninety second break and be right back. show patrick albanese is on our studio line he's my guest mondays to get the week going and patrick you know we're chat- chatting about the coronavirus and the precautions and one day you feel confident just to live life as normal the next day you think well maybe i'll cancel that smurf trip uh right. and you're all over the map and you're kind of waiting to hear the next wave of news i think we're very open to what the uh, physicians of the country are encouraging us to do we certainly want to get it contained asap um, yeah. and we hope for a nice warm weather that hopefully dissipates it a little bit and and gives the medical community a chance to figure out better solutions for us but it's yeah. not the end of the world no i mean uh, iowa finally got its first couple of cases and sure enough they were people that were on a cruise ship so if you if you need any further uh, um, incentive to avoid a cruise ship. Uh, here's two things. One, it seems to be there's so many cruise ships with this coronavirus. It seems to like hanging out on cruise ships. And uh, second, they finally uh, docked that one in California, but they docked it in Oakland, which is not exactly a cruise destination. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> go Oakland. Come on, can we just go to, you know, San Francisco or Hawaii? But uh you know, it's amazing. You say, well, maybe that environment, I don't know. Uh, but, um, yeah, I, I don't know how, how much you can alter your life and avoid it. Yeah. I, I look at, you know, what it says in Hebrews chapter 13, verse eight, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. And I know he's on the throne. I know he's in control. I know he knows everything about this virus and what it's going to result in. And I, I think, there's so much information. How much of it can you trust? What comes out of China that you can believe and trust? Yeah, I think that's, you know, we, we got behind on some things because we, we didn't get proper, accurate, early information or some of it was withheld. Um, but I think you're right. You have to also remember, you know, not only is God in charge, you think of things like the Sermon on the Mount. It's like, you, you know, I've got you covered. Uh, and, and people do get sick and things happen all the time. But, uh, I, you know, it's uh, God doesn't want us to live and operate in fear like that. Be, uh, at least I don't believe he does. He's always trying to reassure us. How many times in the Bible does it say, don't worry? Mm, a lot. Don't, it says it a lot. I think more than just about anything else than, you know, the, except for the begetting. There's a lot of begetting. A lot of begetting. Well, yeah. But, but yeah. So it's, it's like. Do we walk around without any concerns or oblivious? No, but you know, I think God wants us to know, I'm here. I am with you. And that's important. Yeah. Again, and I know we've chatted about this, or I've chatted about it on the program already with maybe other guests, but in context, uh, we don't. I don't really know what this thing is going to look like. Uh, the avian flu virus, I think, took 14,000 American lives. 
and I don't ever recall changing how I lived my life during that time. And I'm sure you don't either. And that was 2006. Yeah, they told us. Uh, no, that was I think 09. Yeah, was yeah. It they 09? told worry. Yeah, they said, oh yeah, and those 14,000 lives were in a year. I think it took a total of almost 20,000. That's just American lives. A few hundred thousand, I believe, worldwide. And we've had swine flus and MERS and Mars and all kinds of you know, various outbreaks of different kinds. Uh, for some reason, this one, and I don't know if it's the 24-hour news cycle again or, or social media, but it, it just seems like the panic is at a level, uh, you, you know, a few weeks ago, uh, you would check social media and suddenly everybody in the world, and I've been noticing this the last couple of years since Donald Trump got elected president, everybody's an expert on everything. You know, I, I, I have friends of mine that can barely tie their shoes and suddenly they, they want to tell me all about the emoluments clause. You know, they're, <laughs> they're constitutional experts. Mm -hmm. And now they're, they're rare disease experts and communicable disease experts. I'm thinking, you know, are, are we sure we're getting our information from the right people and we got to all quit walking around like we're experts and s spreading fear. Let's try to get accurate information. But, I, you know, how many sources do you trust anymore uh, is, is what I've kind of come to. It's like it's pretty easy to open up a web browser and find information that will back up your biggest fears. That's easy to find. Or you could be delusional, I guess, and try to find something that will – uh, tell you not to worry at all about anything and, you know, don't even worry about washing your hands. But uh, you, it's not just about trusting the source. It's, it's you know, I, I get disturbed at how quickly the misinformation gets passed around. Mm -hmm. and suddenly everybody's an expert. Yeah, that's usually the way it works. Well, mm -hmm. I am going to be very prayerful for our country, for our doctors, for this virus and people who are suffering from it. And the elderly and the frail and the people who have compromised immune systems. And just, yeah. I think that's, you just kind of detach from it and turn it over to the Lord. I don't know what else there is to do. Well, you know, it's it's always amazing that uh, we've run up into these situations where you say, you know, this is exactly what God is telling you, that when you when you have no control over something, you need to turn it over to him. You know, I think where we make mistakes in life is we just always want to be in control of things. Mm -hmm. We always want to be in control. And I haven't done a great job of it, you know. Yeah. You hand things over to God, he tends to do a little bit better job when you let him, you know, drive the vehicle unimpeded with your hands off of it. Mm -hmm. When um, I, when you look at some of the, the facts that there's um, a good percentage of people who have had the coronavirus has already recovered from it, like mm -hmm. most everybody, with yeah, the exception I, I of a tiny percentage of people who have died from it. And it seems like they were in a pretty compromised state to start with. This one woman I heard about who passed on uh, was a 45-year smoker. Yeah, that's that's going to add some complications because mm -hmm. I imagine yeah, my mother was a heavy smoker for about 47 years. And uh, the onset of emphysema created all kinds of complications. And then eventually her heart gave out because she, the, her system was compromised. So I can't even imagine had she caught a nasty cold bug uh, in, you know, while she was laid up in um, a rehab facility, how easily it would have taken her. 
uh, you know, eventually it was it was almost like a common cold that did get her. Mm-hmm. Just couldn't deal with it with a compromised system. So you haven't seen any kids, and I'm, I'm very grateful for that, that uh, they seem to have this amazing uh, – I, I don't know what you would call it. Are they even getting the coronavirus or skipping they, them over? They might be carrying it, but they have these ro- robust immune systems, so I think they're – being extra protected. Yeah. The, the same way when, you know, like a toddler that like, can fall off of a sofa and they just bounce back up. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and evidently, their immune system works exactly the same yeah. way at a young age. Yeah, they're very rubbery. Yeah, you'd lay there for about three days. I've, yes. Your family would talk <laughs> to you. You would just keep laying there, though. Yeah, no help is coming. No, no help, yeah. Well, they bring me the occasional, you know, soda pop or something like that. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah. And then, you know, the stock market today, of course, is heading in the south direction, which is a product of the uh, oil uh, crisis that we're hearing about. But I think that's going to bounce back, too. I'm not that worried about that either. No, I mean, it usually does. Uh, When was the last time that the stock market crashed and stayed down forever? I don't remember. Oh, wait, that's never happened. Oh, that's yeah. Actually, oh, good point. Even after even after the, the Great Depression, it eventually did rebound, uh, you know. So, uh, you know, I, we, I think we were talking about this earlier. You know, if you sell as it's – you're locking in your losses. Mm-hmm. And so you – it's it's a tough decision because you, you can get pretty nervous. I should get out. I should get out. But uh, – by the same token, uh, you're probably going to want to get back in at some point in time, and you'll just end up buying back the stock that you sold, but you'll be paying a higher price for it after you took the losses. So it's a, it's a, it's a tough dilemma. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's, sometimes it's best to not look. I guess. Yeah, probably not a bad idea. And then, um, uh, so I think that the encouragement is to stay calm, trust the Lord, spend more time in the Word. If you can't. If you're canceling an event that you thought you were going to, like the Smurfs, stay like home, open in God's Word, get a nice cup of tea, listen to Faith Radio, grow in your faith, get close to your Creator. It's all good. Th- those are all good things. All I, good I, things. Th- I think you've, you know what? Uh, because I'm I'm in a non-judgmental mood, I won't judge you. Thank you. And if you can't handle that, then there's obviously something wrong with you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Nice to be uh, starting my day with you. Thank you for uh, doing the show today, and I'll talk to you next week. I'll talk to you next week. Thanks a lot. Patrick Albany has been my guest. We will take a very short break. Be right back.
are back, and it is the Monday afternoon mix with Miles Maxwell. 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 Hello, Bill. I feel like that was a special intro. Hi, David. David Miles in studio. Pastor David Miles. We're just talking about goals. And so goals, we had a great line from a guest a while ago, and it was Mrs. Wang, right? Mrs. Wong? Yes, Mrs. Wong. Mrs. Wong, yes. Yes. If you say Wang, you're Wong. That's, That's what right. she said. That's exactly right. That's the <laughs> part I remember. She's a very wise lady. Yes. yes. Rebecca Ree's mother. Yes. Yes. And okay. she said, I don't have a to-do list. I have a to-be list. Ooh. Good. That's, That's really good. good. That's good. Because we are human beings and not human doings. Yes. Heard that. So people are, are you, do you make goals or, I don't know, I was just saying I have more disciplines than I have goals. Maybe they're the same thing. I don't know. I think disciplines are really good to have. Mm-hmm. And I think like disciplines, you have a habit of doing them, Bill. And um, like sometimes goals, I think people like I have these goals to do today and check them off. And sometimes people love like making little, okay, how many people have finished a project and then gone back and wrote that down as a goal just so you could check? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I've done I've that done before. That. Yeah. Oh, I forgot to add that in. And you've already done it. <laughs> so you write it down and cross it out. Yeah. Yeah. Something that feels like good. All three of us have issues. We do. <laughs> so, <laughs> let's talk about them. Because so, you want to make it look like you like you accomplished a lot. Sure. And yes. If you left something off and you put it on and cross it off, you feel better. We do. And I mean, like, think of this. We're, we're constantly doing things. And at the end of the day, the only person who really got to say it is finished and they were done, that was Jesus. Jesus. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and he, he, it was, it was finished. And literally his act um, was a once-for-eternity sacrifice for all of mankind. The, everyone else is going to probably on their deathbed have some regret over what they didn't get to do or never got finished. Or Jesus alone is in, once again, a class by himself. It is finished. Yeah, and I think it comes back to just how important relationships are because, you know, people aren't sitting on their deathbed saying, wow, I wish I would have mowed the lawn or... You know, I would have closed this many more sales. Usually Mm -hmm. at the end of their life, they're saying it it has to do with people. And, you know, death does not discriminate. It's a one-for-one correlation. We will be born and we will die. And so it's our relationships. It's Christ that's eternal, our relationship with him, and even our relationship as the body of Christ because of the work of Christ on our behalf. David, safe to say that we have uh, a fear issue in our life about getting things done, setting goals, getting goals accomplished, fear of success, fear of failure. Works both ways, doesn't it? Yeah. I think sometimes we we wrestle both. Like some will undershoot because they're fearful of actually succeeding. And sometimes we have those things where we're fearful of failing as well. Um one person has said fear is false evidence appearing real. Mm-hmm. I like that. And sometimes we, we build things up in our minds. You, you ever have that where you're sitting there thinking, I need to do this, and it's like, oh, my goodness, like this is going to be this momentous thing that you have to overcome with all your strength and all that's in you. And there are those things in life that are that way, but some of the things we do afterwards, it's like, wow, like why did I wait so long to actually follow through and do that particular thing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I love Matthew 6.34. It's more relevant than ever. 
Do therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Let's live in the present. Yes. And Proverbs will tell us the plan for the future. But one of the very cool verses, even as we're going to look at the future, is in James, where, you know, James says, you say you're going to go to this town or that town. Your life is but a a mist, but Mm -hmm. a vapor. Instead, we ought to say, if the Lord allows us to. But back to what you're saying, um, um, Bill, just living today, you know, we see that in Ephesians 5.13, you know, um, make the most of the present time for the days are evil. And I think right now, because there are so many things going on in our world that we can be fearful about, it's precisely because we do have Christ's peace that can be such an incredible witness. Um, I have a dear uh, associate leader who, who I work with, and uh, her name is Paula Pust, and she also works as a C-level executive assistant for a great group of people. Um, and she was sharing the other day that, you know, someone was talking with her about the concern of the virus, the coronavirus and all that. And like, what are we going to do? Like, what are we going to do? And, you know, she just replied to the person, you know, um, my life is secure in Christ. You know, I'm, I'm not worried about that. And um, I think the world is looking for that type of peace because we have that peace, whether in life or death, we have Christ and the, the promises, you know, the verses that we, you know, learn or we have um, memorized or shared that I'm neither, for I'm sure Paul says in Romans 8, 37, um, for in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And that's not in ourselves, but in him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, Angels or rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, or anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus our Lord. And that thing, nothing also means no thing. So no thing, no thing, nothing. And I'm saying that nothing can separate us from him. A couple of my go-to psalms, Psalm 34, 4 says, I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. And I know, David, you always love all means all, doesn't it? Yeah, my That's kids all, still laugh all at that me. Means. Yeah. <laughs> They're dead. Yeah, oh, dead. And then Psalm 94, 19 says, When anxiety was great within me, your consolation brought me joy. Are people feeling joy today? Maybe we should take our anxiety right to the Lord. I think that would be good. I think sometimes we still struggle because we want to, in essence, put our hands on the steering wheel and to control and to direct things. Um, and sometimes we can be stubborn, you know. Uh, and God's like, you know, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And we go back to our goals checklist. Mm-hmm. I, I have this to do. I have this to do. I have this to do. And Mrs. Wong? No, Mrs. Wang, because if I say Wang, then I'm Wong. That's, that's what you said. That's what she said. Sheila okay. was her yeah. first name. Okay. Yeah. Um, but she would say, you know, again, that's being caught in that loop of doing mm-hmm. versus that loop of being. And I think that maybe it's it's also tied up with the illusion of control, that if I'm able to do something, even if I'm sitting here worrying about it or putting my, my mental activity or energy towards it, that it makes me feel like there's something I can do about it. When really, if we're talking about the issue of 
of a virus or even something like, you know, what time am I going to get home tonight? I don't mm-hmm. know. I, I think that that's it betrays the truth, which is that as much as we want to have that control in our own lives, God is the one that's ultimately in control. And there's so much that we really don't have control over. I think that makes us uncomfortable because it again reminds us of God's sovereignty, our weakness. But but that's also the source of our peace mm-hmm. when we know the sovereign God is not only our creator who's all powerful, he's also our father who is all loving and providing for us. So maybe it's that mental shift that makes us takes us out of the fear camp because we don't have control into the peace and reassurance camp because we know the God that does. Okay, time for Bill to say another verse. Isaiah forty one thirteen, for I am the Lord your God who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, Do not fear, I will help you. Well, that's pretty comforting. And that was Isaiah forty one thirteen. Ooh. That's good. Mm-hmm. Isaiah 54, 4 says, do not be afraid. You will not be put to shame. Do not fear disgrace. You will not be humiliated. You will forget the shame of your youth and remember no more the reproach of your widowhood. Another good one. Another good one. I want to go go back to what you were saying in Isaiah 41, um, 13. Okay. You know, up earlier uh, in verse 8, it says, but you, Israel, my servant Jacob, whom I have chosen, the offspring of Abraham, my friend, You whom I took from the ends of the earth and called from its farthest corners, saying to you, you are my servant, I have chosen you and not cast you off. And then verse 10, that many know, fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And I remember, um, you know, some people sharing about, you know, Dear, uh, dear, dear man, a dear godly man, uh, Pastor Steve Gould, who went home to be with the Lord suddenly Steve. a couple of years ago. Um, and uh, mm-hmm. Steve would talk about this verse, and he'd say verse 8 and 9 describes God's sovereignty, and then verse 10 describes God's sufficiency, that God is sufficient to uphold our hand. Going back to what Rebecca said, we fear control because sometimes we may wonder, does God really love me? You know, we struggle with resting in his love. And the enemy likes to play the same thing that he did with Adam and Eve. So God creates this world perfect. Or he tells them, all of this I've given to you except for one tree. And the devil shows up and says, oh, you know what? The big guy's holding out on you. You know, he's holding out on the good stuff. You don't really need to listen to him. And he has an alternative motive. But if you, you know, if you trust my words and if you eat this fruit, well, that constantly continues in our life where you know, we're constantly tempted where the enemy wants to say, you know, can God be trusted? And yes, he can be trusted. When I was, this weekend, I was listening to uh, Susie Larson's show, and she had on John Eldridge, and he was talking about uh, a benevolent detachment from his new book, where he will, at the end of the, at the, end of the day, benevolently Detach from the problems. That's a fun word. That was Benevol- like I'm glad you had to say that. Benevolently. Benevolent. Benevolently. <laughs> it's harder than it sounds. I, I got it down, now, you David. You yeah. Do. Did you say it a couple times? Yes, I did. But, but what, is, what does it mean? It means yes. you take the stress, you take the things you cannot control, all the things that have given you anxiety throughout the day, and in the evening. 
you detach from them by handing them over to God. I thought, what a nice, simple practice. Benevolently detachment. I like it. That sounds good. So that's me listening to the Suzy show, too. Okay. Yeah. I still need help with that. With what? Well, benevolently, benevolently. Yeah, yeah I can't say it either. <laughs> Detaching myself. Yeah. You know, well, okay, in the evening. You go home at night and you go, what, what can I do about the coronavirus? You know, I can pray yeah. for the people who, in my world, in the world, who might be at risk, more mm-hmm. vulnerable, compromised immune systems, elderly, frail. I can pray for them. And then I can pray it doesn't uh, spread and get worse. Um, but what, what else can I do? I, did, I have to detach and go, I'm now giving it to the Lord, and I'm going to sleep, <laughs> putting my head on the pillow. And, and it may help for us to, you know, engage in what the psalmist says, um, to declare your love in the morning and your faithfulness at night. So, you know, waking up in the morning and being able to say, the Lord you know, he loves you. As the old folks used to say, the Lord woke me up this morning, set me on my two feet, allowed me to see a new day. I remember my mama saying stuff like that, you know, and then the faithfulness at night that God brought you through another day. And I think reminding ourselves of that, as well as, you know, we, we talked about this once before about Revelation twelve eleven about the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony for they love not their lives unto death, even unto death. I think being surrounded with other believers to encourage one another and to give each other strength. Um, that verse in first Samuel that David found his strength in the Lord. As you read in that, he also had other people who were walking with him. Now there were those that wanted to stone him because like, Oh, you brought us out here and did this, but he did have people who walked with them. And I think that's, the reason why God does not want us to do life alone, he wants us to live in community. I encourage, encourage you today, even as you're listening to this, if your church has life groups or small groups, plug into those. Plug into commu- community with one another. Um, I love what an old pastor had once said. He had went to go visit a, a man in his church, and they he was out having a fire, so he shows up at this, this farm, and the guy's talking and there's a fire off to the side, and the the gentleman says to the pastor, "Well, you know, pastor, I think you can be a Christian without going to church. You know, I I don't don't really need to do that. I kind of have my own spirituality." And as he starts talking, the pastor picks up and grabs a tong, and pulls out one of the logs and sets it on the earth next to the fire. And as this guy is talking to him, and he keeps talking slowly, the fire and the one log outside of the fire slowly starts to lose its flame. And as it gets to the end and they look and this log is just smoke, it's no longer on fire, he just says to the man, he says, you know, I want to just encourage you to come to church. There is a fire going on down there and we'd love for you to be a part of it. And I think that's why we find in Hebrews that God says not to forsake the assemblance of one another, that we encourage one another, that even when it seems like the world may be falling apart around us or people are feeling that way, we can encourage one another. We can help each other up. And I think God has given us the beauty of community for that. We'll take a short break, and that'll give you a chance to try saying the word benevolently out loud. We'll be back with Pastor David Miles, mid-afternoon mix with Miles Arnold Maxwell. Be right back.
And we are back with the mid-afternoon mix with Miles Arnold and Maxwell. Without any gimmicky sound effects. <laughs> we don't need no sound effects. No, we okay, don't. Okay, well, Bill does all the sound no, effects No, I don't. For you us. just did some gimmicky sound I effects. I just did... I know, that's gimmicky sound effects. But you did... Arnold, 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 Arnold. <laughs> At least I'm repeating the right name. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, yeah, dun, 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 uh, dun, dun, no dun, name. Yeah, right. Benevolently. Miles, Miles, Miles. Dun, dun, yeah. <laughs> Benevolently. Benevolently. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, you were going to say something about worry. Um, you had I touched you on were. a little bit earlier just about um, Matthew, about... Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Mm-hmm. Sufficient uh, for the day is its own trouble. Um, I think part of what helps us to not take anxious for tomorrow was the verse preceding it. So this whole section is Jesus talking about do not be anxious. Actually, he gives a couple of different imperative commands to not be which sometimes we're like, uh, Jesus, do you like know what's going on in my life? Because, yes, I may feel anxious about this, that, or the other. Uh, but in verse 33, he puts, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all the other things will be added unto you. All the other things that we're worrying about will be added unto us. And ultimately, he's given us the, the gift of life. Sometimes um, when I'm wondering how much control that I'm actually in, I kind of, you know, have this weird or interesting thought in my mind. Um, I might not make astrophysics um, happy because I might not have my calculations right, but if someone could pass it on to me, I'd love it because I've actually tried to search. But I, I, I like to think sometimes of God's grandeur, his sovereignty, his hand, with the fact that, you know, right now we're traveling 50,000 miles per hour through space. We're on a ball that's spinning 2,000 miles an hour, while we're not being thrown off, we're sitting still. So we're not being thrown off. Um, If we were 100,000 miles further away from the sun, we'd be popsicles. If we were 100,000 miles closer to the sun, we'd be crispier than crispy. And so going back to what Rebecca says, the illusion of control that we have when God is holding all things together. And that's actually, you know, a very biblical thing because Colossians would talk about Christ, you know, verse 18 of chapter 1, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominion or rulers or authority. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. That all of the things that we have in life, they hold together. Um, I love the illustration that Louis Giglio gives in um, Indescribable, where they were noting that as they look down at the particle that holds all things together called laminin, under a super high power scope, it looks like a cross. And, Mm. you know, so even in the invisible, even in the microscopic, God displays um, his sovereignty, his hand over that. And one other cool thing about God displaying himself in creation that's so cool, Dr. Lizanne um, Wilson, who's um, at Northwestern, who's a biology and uh, theology uh, professor, actually is doing cutting edge you know, work and study on just how God displays himself and speaks the gospel through creation. And it's been a really powerful thing that she's been doing. A number of different scientists have contacted her 
just out of, you know, just curiosity and even just seeing those things in creation. So it's really cool. That's really interesting. We got to get her on the show. Oh, that would be great. Make a note, I'm on it. She's on my list. Good. Which I can check off once we've done, (laughs) once we've gotten there and I'll feel productive. That would be nice. All right, here's another go-to psalm for me. 56.3, when I am afraid, I put my trust in you. What is that, nine words? 56.3. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. That's my go-to. Five, six, seven, eight, nine. That's nine words. Yeah. You, you can you can memorize that today. Yeah. Psalm fifty-six, verse three. <clears throat> when I am afraid, I put my trust in you. And you know, one of the things I like about that is to recognize the reality of both sides of that. That the psalmist is saying, "When I am afraid, mm-hmm. if I start to feel." that fear. It doesn't mean that because I'm walking with God that I won't ever feel afraid. I recognize that when those thoughts take place, that I am making the active choice to put my trust in the faithful God. So there's the feelings. We recognize those. They will crop up. And then I can do something because that's the the fear drives us to act sometimes. What do I do? What can I do? I don't want to feel helpless. What can I do? There is an action that we can do. It is to put our trust in the goodness of God. Yeah, and that's what's so neat about this um, is the credibility of the psalmist who's giving this psalm because at the beginning of Psalm 56, it talks about a myth come of David when the Philistines seized him in Gath. So here's David writing this. <laughs> He's writing this uh, psalm. And uh, you know, we have to remember he, you know, cut off the head of one of their heroes no small thing. And so he's actually in enemy territory seized by this. And it's in this really very, very real context of threat that he's saying, when I'm afraid, because I'm afraid, you know, this is where I'm at. I will put my trust in you. And so in the midst of the things that we're facing with coronavirus, what we're facing with a loved one's um, illness or health, you know, um, you know, praying for, um, job know, fa- uncertainty, job uncertainty, mm-hmm. and the like. Um, my wife had, we had got a, a Facebook note that one of her cousins just, you know, recently just diagnosed with stage four, like um, cancer. I want to say it was of the stomach and the like, but you know, and not very old. But when those things come, and they will come, you know, uh, Victor Frankel who wrote in, um, in Search of Man's Meaning, who survived one of the concentration camps, he talked about the universality of pain, that there's just, there's too much pain out there. You're going to, we're going we're gonna to be hit by it eventually. And for the person who's listening and saying, well, that's not me right now, well, I want to just say, keep living. It, it will happen. And so, but good to know that in God, we can trust yeah, not a matter of if, just a matter of when, right? <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. And we don't actually seem to put that little thing on our goals list for the day. Yeah. Goal, major trial today. Yeah. Thank you, David, for putting that in context, uh, Psalm 56. Um, that was good. That's what I come to expect from the mid-afternoon mix with Miles Arnold and Maxwell. Well, we have Rebecca with us, so when we mess up, you know, God has given us yeah. a great We're all in Christ. this together. <laughs> yeah. She's clean yes. up on L5 when we mess up. <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> Glad to be here. What will we do without her, David? Oh, she's great. Yeah. Thanks, Rebecca. Pastor David Miles has been my guest. We do the mid-afternoon mix with Miles Arnold and Maxwell Mondays at uh, 3.30 Central. Yes. So we're going to take a little break, but before we go, make sure you put down March 26th, which is a Thursday night for a live uh, taping of the show, Afternoons with Me. I'll be joined by Dr. Peter Kaffner and Dr. Jim Bilby. We're going to talk about living in a post-Christian world. Go to MyFaithRadio.com. Sign up to get a seat. They're going fast. All right, we'll be right back. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.